All right, welcome back to another episode of The World According to Us. This is your man, your host, Steve Jabba, and um, it's been about a week or so since the last update uh, with regard to corruption with the traffic courts. However, today's episode is not going to involve anything regarding that. Instead, I'm going to focus on the latest current events, which is the same old, same old, and I hate to frame this conversation in that uh in that context but what i mean by that is nothing has changed we are constantly having news reports of brothers being lynched either by law enforcement or people closely associated to law enforcement or sundown towns or vigilante ex-marines or military vets who decide that they're going to take their skills that they've acquired through combat training and apply them to everyday citizens that they come across in the subway simply because they're fed up or whatever the case may be. Now, I'm referencing this in lieu of in particular, the case of Jordan Neely, the homeless brother who was murdered on the F train earlier this week by a white military ex-vet or Marine. Already, the media and mainstream pundits, if they're not swept this story under the rug, have tried to castigate the victim in whatever unfavorable light is possible considering that he was homeless and in our society considered one of the least powerful people or cared about people. So if his death goes unpunished, chances are little to nothing will be said about it unless we as a collective community raise a stink, raise awareness and call out the double standard and the BS of how you can allow anybody, whether it's law enforcement or a civilian alike, to kill somebody who is homeless simply because you don't like the fact that they are yelling on a subway car and voicing the frustration of their existence to the point that you feel that it is your duty to take their life from them. And that there won't be any consequences for that. Now, this story is not a new story in the sense of there's been plenty of homeless people killed in the past. But the fact that this man's murder was captured on cell phone camera and how many bystanders on the train car watched as this man was killed right in front of them. It's why I felt that I need to really make this episode and address it. Stay with me. We'll be right back after this break. All right, we're back after that brief break. And uh, 
Picking up where I left off. The idea, the notion that all men are created equal, while we know spiritually, intellectually, mentally, that that tenet, that phrase is true. We are faced with the irreconcilable difference of the fact that too many of us in society are unwilling to accept that as a truth, are too willing to make an excuse based on the melanin or lack thereof of many of us in society as a reason to treat one another justly or unjustly. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because the fabric, the foundation of this nation is built upon that very premise that being different, having a different skin color or pigment, having melanin or the lack thereof makes a difference in how you are treated and viewed in this world. And that some are better than others through no merits of their own, but simply because they are born with the pigment that they are born with. When you overlay that with historical precedents, actual case studies that bear out the evils of racism, the evils and injustice of extreme wealth and extreme poverty and pitting those who are more fortunate against those who are less fortunate and blaming those who are less fortunate for their condition with a lazy trope of they're just unwilling to work for what they want they're not trying they don't want to pull themselves up by their quote-unquote bootstraps all of these things play into today's topic of discussion we don't know the full story of Jordan Neely's history and whatever cyber sleuths dig up on him in his past, I'm sure they will try it out first and foremost. The most negative things that they can find with regarding his background and any criminal arrest record he may or may not have. They may talk about him being a happy subway performer at times, I guess when times were maybe a little less bleak than they were during this week in which his life was taken. I know enough to know that no matter what you say, no matter how you try to wrap your mind around making an excuse, if you have a homeless person who is having a mental break on the train, Common sense would dictate that you move or leave that train car if you fear for your own personal safety. If the person that is yelling, making noise, harassing, or being a nuisance, a noise nuisance to the rest of the riders, if they're doing that and you sense that you might potentially be physically harmed, what would logic dictate you do in that instance? Should you 
engage that person physically and try to subdue them or attack them or render them unconscious so that you can feel at peace or other riders feel at peace? Or should you call law enforcement, leave the immediate vicinity of which you perceive a threat and let quote unquote trained professionals who are supposed to uh, protect and serve the public come and do their job? I mentioned all of this to say, what we know from this story is that Mr. Neely, 30-year-old, quote-unquote, black male who was homeless, entered an F train somewhere way downtown in uh, New York City subway, um, began yelling and telling other riders that he was tired, he was hungry, he had no food, he had no drink, he didn't care if he went to jail. Upon making this declaration and apparently throwing his own jacket on the subway floor of the car that they were riding in, another rider, 24-year-old military vet, comes from behind him. I'll get the guy's name and I'll update that in the next ep- uh, in the next part. But this guy, white military veteran, sneaks up from behind Mr. Neely, puts him in a chokehold, takes him to the ground of the subway car, and proceeds to strangle him with the assistance of another passenger who intervened and purposefully held and restrained Mr. Neely's arms so that he was not able to flail or extricate himself from the chokehold that he was in. Video shows that he was strangled and kept down for at least 15 minutes in the subway car while other passengers onlooked or were looking for the police to arrive. Now, I was looking at the news reports, uh, in particular New York Post, that was giving their blow-by-blow uh, timeline of the events of what happened on that subway car. And in that story, in that summation, what I was able to glean from the facts was nobody else attempted to get the military guy off of this man until it was too late. A passenger is heard telling him that Mr. Neely was in danger of dying, that he was being killed because he had defecated on himself while being choked. When this guy's body went limp, and I'm talking about Mr. Neely, even after he went limp, this ex-Marine or whatever military uh, department or branch he is from, I think it was Marines, if I'm not mistaken, continued to keep the stranglehold on him until eventually he releases it and starts asking if Mr. Neely can hear him. Keep in mind, he has had him in a chokehold, in a stranglehold, and has been assisted by another passenger to hold the arms of Mr. Neely so that he cannot fight back and strangle this man to death in the subway car while other passengers 
looked on. Now, I have seen videos where a, excuse me, a Caucasian aggressor instigates an argument with a person of color or a black person, quote-unquote black person, and gets their comeuppance. And when the black person or the quote-unquote person of color starts to get the upper hand, all of a sudden, the white bystanders, the, the fellow Caucasian bystanders, who seen the beginning, the instigation of the altercation, who had no problem allowing it to escalate to the point of physical confrontation, only decide to make a stink or to get involved when they see that the Caucasian person who instigated the whole situation is now not having the upper hand, but is actually getting their ass whooped. Then they want to act like if that's enough, stop, break it up, and want to point to the person most of the time who was a person of color or has melanin or was quote-unquote black and say to them as if they are completely in the wrong, that's enough, get out of here, stop that. Why is it that in a situation like this, not a single one of them did that in regards to this brother, Mr. Neely? And I'm saying this as a rhetorical question because we already know the answer. The answer is because he did not have the complexion for the protection. He was homeless, powerless, and threatening and dangerous to people who did not want to understand the plight of the situation that he was in. They did not hear the words he spoke in frustration and outburst because of his suffering condition. All that said, that does not mean or give the right to anybody, civilian or otherwise, to take that homeless man's life. To act as if you were somehow a hero is beyond repugnant, in my opinion. Mr. Neely attacked nobody physically on the train. If anything, his words might have attacked the conscience of the people on the train, saying that he had no food, he had no drink, and he was tired and was uh, not afraid to go to jail. Why would somebody say those words in that instance unless they reached the end of their rope, unless they'd seen enough lack of compassion, lack of empathy, lack of humanity to where they felt they had nothing left to lose by stating those things and even in stating it, did not physically attack anyone. And yet, their life is taken. The fact that the mayor, Eric Adams, a quote-unquote black man, who was also formerly of the NYPD, now holding the highest office over the NYPD as the mayor of the city, could say that, well, we have to wait and see an investigation play out to determine whether or not this was a murder is beyond ludicrous. It speaks volumes of the fact that there is no justice in this system if you are not Caucasian or of a protected class, say Asian or any other group of people that seem to always have, you know, 
every bit of defense and excuse and representation necessary for any slight or perceived slight or injustice. The fact that you have this man's murder captured on cell phone video should be more than enough for a common sense, basic, I'm talking about, you don't even have to have a high school education to look at that video and to know that what happened to that man was wrong and that that was a blatant murder in broad daylight. The fact that the cops took this man initially who killed him, the white Marine, into custody and then released him shortly thereafter is again speaking to the same things that we've been going through since time memorial. If we want to be more contemporary, let's go back with Ahmaud Arbery. His killers were allowed to go home the same day. It wasn't until two months later where enough stink was made about the fact that why weren't they arrested, which is clearly a, a, a lynching in broad daylight, that some feet were starting to move to the ground to actually make things happen and turn those wheels towards justice. With regard to Mr. Neely, if we don't see any charges in this case, it's going to create two huge problems that are already existing, but maybe heighten them even more, and especially in lieu of the times that we're living in. The first being that, number one, both Mr. Neely and his murderer were unarmed. That didn't stop Mr. Neely from losing his life, did it? If you're saying to the general public that anytime you encounter any person who may be mentally disturbed or homeless or you perceive them as a threat, that somebody else can come up and murder that person and there's no repercussion for that, Society will be basically at a wild, wild west stage of don't you dare tell me to call law enforcement to protect and serve when they also are murderers and kill people who are unarmed every day. Don't you dare tell me I have no right to self-defense if another citizen who happened to serve in the armed services or the armed forces can decide that he is the judge during executioner and kill a fellow citizen simply because of his socioeconomic status and we can turn around and say on top of that that race has nothing to do with it he was just doing what he felt was right when the shoe was on the other foot if the assailant if the murderer is a quote unquote black person male or female regardless of age would you have the same energy would you make the same excuse would you say that's okay they were looking out for the public we all know already deep down that would not be the argument made the argument made was that they took the law into their own hands they had no right to do so they killed a person who was unarmed who had not physically attacked anybody how in God's name could there be no charges for taking of that life why are you holding this person above the law these are the questions that have to be asked 
And if nothing's going to be done about it, what you will create is a society of people who are already on edge, who already know that we're targeted, who already know we have nothing to lose. And even in the face of that, try to be decent, try to hold out hope. If you're going to remove the hope blatantly right in front of our faces and say, this is okay. What this vigilante ex-military vet did was okay. Be prepared for when that sword comes to your door. Be prepared when these same arguments are made in reference to somebody that you love or yourself personally. When somebody else decides you're not worth having another moment on this earth because your very existence irritates me or annoys me or annoys a crowd of passengers on a train. This is the type of precedent that this case is setting. This is why I'm talking about it because the implications and the ramifications of it go far deeper than just another hashtag and another protest and another march. I personally don't want to see a march or a protest in this. What I want to see is action. I want to see the district attorney file formal charges, first degree murder, second degree murder, and accessory to murder in this case. And why do I mention all of those? The military vet who decided to sneak up from behind Mr. Neely and strangle him for 15 minutes. That's first degree murder. Because you had forethought to think, should I interact here? Should I intervene? Should I put my hands on this person? I know that I have military training. I know that I'm trained to kill people. If I decide that, you know what? I've had enough of this person. I'm going to choke him out. And nobody else is there is going to stop me. That is a premeditation. You knew that's choking somebody, putting your hands around their necks. If you didn't know. But in his case, we can't say that he didn't know that. He's not naive. And even if, let's say, he wanted to be naive. There's enough cases where they tell you, even when law enforcement does it. Choking somebody, strangling somebody, restricting the airway can cause death. You're not allowed to do that. You could have restrained him by his arms or had that other wannabe do-gooder who assisted in his murder by restraining Mr. Neely, grabbing his arms and holding his arms so he could not fight back. Uh, both of you are murderers. Both of you have premeditated forethought because you have time to think about what you were doing and decide, you know what, let me stop that. Let me let the cops come in here and do their job. You chose to murder a man because he irritated you, because you didn't want to hear anything he had to say. He didn't attack anybody. I don't care what you say about how he was threatening with his words. Words are not physical action. Unless he was assaulting somebody and where you felt that that was uh, imminent bodily, grave bodily injury or death occurring for you to you know, act in that fashion. To take this man to the ground, strangle him, not for two, three, four minutes. And even in that time period, that's enough time to kill somebody. 
15 minutes he was holding on to this man in a chokehold. You see the video. You see the man's face. If you watch MMA at all, those type of chokes, even rear naked chokes like that, they don't allow you to hold on for 15 fucking minutes. Pardon my language, but I'm so, I'm so hot right now. Because anybody, when they come with this, this whole nonsensical BS about how only the military has a right to patriarchy or, or, or patriotism, and that we must have this uh, unmeasured uh, reverence for people who are in the military. Cases like this highlight the fact that we are oblivious to reality. Just because you served in the armed forces does not give you the right to murder other citizens because you don't like what they have to say or you don't like their socioeconomic status. Any people, any citizen who is on the side of this killing, I hope and pray that the very same thing that that man suffered happens to you or somebody that you love so you can feel the same energy that you put out there. Because a lot of times what happens in our societies, people do not appreciate until it happens to them. Very easy to be a keyboard samurai and talk a whole lot of nonsense and puff your chest up as if you're better than everybody else or that you can see things uh, differently than other people can and somehow that makes you right because it didn't happen to you or you're not in the position of the person or the victim that... that had whatever happened to them happen. I can't believe that we actually have to have these kind of conversations today because people have gone so far over the deep end of reality and common sense and decency and humanity that this has to be had as a conversation. Again, even in the reports, they're saying another passenger told the white military vet that was strangling him. Okay, Mon, that's enough. Get off of him. Let him go. He's defecated on himself. You're in danger of killing this man. I will go as far as to say as that passenger making that observation was not as astute as he thought because the dude had already died, in my opinion. The moment that he defecated on himself, he died. His body gave up. There was no resistance. The other passenger holding his arms. His legs are flailing until he went limp. He defecated because his soul left his body. I'm sure he peed and defecated on himself. And the nerve of this guy who was strangling him to say, that's an old stain. How in God's name would you know that? You did not study this man up and down to know what was an old stain on his clothing before you decided to take his life. You're saying that after the fact because nobody... Other than Derek Chauvin and this clearly this this uh, vigilante here would have the mindset of I need to keep a chokehold on somebody for 15 minutes. Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, nine minutes, 30 seconds. And we saw that real time. We saw that. You held on longer than Derek Chauvin. The human body and brain cannot survive beyond, at max, they say five minutes without oxygen before brain death and other injuries will occur, if not life ceasing. 
You held on for three times that amount of time. And you're going to tell me that you didn't intend to kill that person. You held on till he was dead and you kept on squeezing until he was dead. And even after he was dead, you held on. I don't know what world this kind of behavior is acceptable or people will look at that person as a hero. But I think you have a mentally unhinged ex-vet who looked for an opportunity and took it out on a person who was the least opposition, least powerful, least threatening to him in regards to the fact that you had to sneak up behind him and do what you did. And I suggest this. Why, with all of your training, all of that combat skill that you had, why wouldn't you just restrain the dude, subdue him, hold his arms and legs, and wait till the police arrive? Why did you feel it necessary to choke him until he stopped moving? To choke him until he defecated on himself? And then act as if you were concerned if he could hear you. You are a murderer. You are no better than rogue, unjust, self-absorbed, egomaniacal, PTSD withstanding or not, killer cops. And you're no cop. You're a murderer. I pray that you receive the fullest, harshest penalty allowed under the law. And if that doesn't happen, rest assured, you're going to pay on Judgment Day when you have to stand before the Most High, the Almighty Creator of all things visible and invisible, heaven and earth. And you have to give an account of what you did. So you can lie to the public. You can lie to the cameras. You can even lie to yourself. One thing you won't do on the day of judgment is be able to stand there with a straight face and lie to the face of God. Eric Adams, any other law enforcement or DAs involved in this case, any of the witnesses who stood by and watched, I hope and pray that you do the right thing. If you don't, the same judgment awaits you. Be right back after this break. All right. We're back after that brief break and I got the name of the murderer his name is Daniel Penny and up to now he has not been charged so we are basically waiting for the non-existent wheels of justice to not turn until somebody decides that there's enough public outcry where this cannot be allowed to go unpunished. If we can say that it is plausible 
and acceptable that everyday citizens decide for whatever reason, if somebody's mentally ill or not or homeless, that we can just snuff them out and that's going to solve the problem. The decay of society will have rapidly arrived to a point where I don't think there's any going back. We cannot have lawlessness, vigilantism, uh, people thinking that because they served in the military, that that somehow gives you a get out of jail free for committing crimes. And in particular, murders in broad daylight. Uh, Shame and dishonor on Mayor Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul. Their responses to this case of Jordan Neely being lynched on the subway car um, were obtuse, uh, tone deaf, and basically, in my opinion, riding with uh, a sentiment that basically black lives do not matter. Um, I I don't know what else to say other than this is a horrible, tragic end for one Mr. Neely who many of us don't know, don't know his history other than what's been reported and the sad end that he came to. But I hope and pray that Something good, something positive comes out of his passing. Some new law, something that can uh, change society for the better. If it means that they need to have more transit officers, not just in some stations, but in most stations that are heavily uh, occupied by homeless people, then that's what the city needs to do. That Something has to happen where we are addressing the ills and the issues of homelessness in society and mental illness but even further than that we must not lose sight of the fact that this type of vigilante killing cannot be allowed it should not go unpunished that vet should serve whatever the maximum amount of time is for premeditated murder and the person that assisted in holding down Mr. Lily's arms both of those people deserve to be brought up on charges and punished to the fullest extent of the law. So we'll we'll stay on top of this story, see what other updates come about in the coming days. Um, but yeah, these are my thoughts on this case. There's another case that I want to speak about, but that'll be a, for another episode. And that one is for a brother named Rasheem Carter, who was murdered down south, was lynched was dismembered and in horrific fashion and his body parts scattered all over the place and yet no nobody's been brought to justice no charges have been filed and the cops involved claimed that it was him falling asleep and then having uh animals wild animals tear his body apart which nobody with a brain believes but again that's for another episode um My thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Jordan Neely. And until the next episode, stay safe, stay blessed, stay prayed up. Take care.